Um, today, we're, th- those are your precious moments because now we're getting into the not-so-precious moments because that is the, n- the next sermon series in January. And it all started, y'all probably heard me say it, I was walking through the store and I saw on a shelf the Precious Moments Bible. And I thought, how exactly does that work? Because so much of our faith and so much of the stories of our faith are not precious, are they? Like, how do you deal with the fact that to get his first wife, David had to obtain 200 Philistine foreskins. You know, do they have a picture of that in there? Like, can you, what would that be like? Um, what about the book of Job? What about the re- book of Revelation? And what I think happens is a lot of times we neuter our faith. We neuter the Bible too. And we take it down to something that is precious and something that is safe. And there is a lot about God that is not safe. And there is a lot he's going to call us to do that is not precious. And there are a lot of stories that if we're only looking for what is precious, we're going to miss out on some, some of the harder stories and what they have to teach us. So I took this as a challenge. Stories you won't find in the Precious Moments Bible and what they would teach us, which means I have harder texts than what I would usually pick. Usually, you know, you don't be like, hey, let's talk about the first murder. But that's where we're going today. We're going to the first murder, which is in Genesis 4. Um, these are the first siblings. Now before... I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll tell you about my own siblings. How about this? Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. See, that disqualifies the story right from the get-go, from the Precious Moments Bible. That's, whoa, that's scandalous. And she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And we can say thanks to God for this because though it's a hard word, it's good because we all encounter opposition, even in our families, right? Anybody here have brothers or sisters? I have one of each. A um, couple Thanksgivings ago, we, we usually have um, spectacular Thanksgivings. There's usually a fight over something or another in my family. We try to avoid certain topics. I have been the one who's been known to say, I saw a singing bass in the store today just to get people off of whatever it is they're going on and, you know, onto the minutia of life. But this, this one day, we had all gathered for the family picture. Do y'all ever do that? We have the big family picture. Everybody gathers around, puts their arms around each other, or doesn't, or stands where they don't have to put their arm around whoever, and then takes the picture, and there's always moaning and groaning. Are there, y'all always, so they take the picture, but we got it. And my stepmom went in before we ate the meal, and she put it on Facebook. She wanted to share it with her friends. Here's my family. We're having dinner at my house. And she put it up there. Comes back and said, oh, that's so great to be able to share like this. And my sister said, you put it on Facebook? Yeah. Didn't tag anybody. We're all good. It's just 
there on Deborah's Facebook page. And so we sit down, we say the blessing, we sit down to eat the meal. Amy gets up, excuses her, excuse me, please, and she leaves. And when she comes back to the table, she sits down with a smirk on her face and says, I just unfriended all of you people. You know what that is, right? On Facebook, you have your friends, which are often your family, and Amy had unfriended the family. So obviously, this was not the most loving Thanksgiving we ever had. Amy's reasons were um, peculiar, but Amy is that way. She didn't want her face anywhere in a picture on anyone's Facebook page. That begs the question, why would you be on a thing called Facebook but anyway, um, she, it wasn't that it was a bad picture, but whenever she had her profile picture, at least when I was still her friend, I knew this, she had a picture of a gerbil instead of her own face. And so she didn't like that her picture was up there, and she got rid of all of us who might threaten her by putting her picture up there. Now, everyone began fighting, as you might imagine this would happen, and I began, I was hurt, I was angry, because here's my sister that I hardly see at all. I see her on Facebook, but not anymore because she's not my friend. And so I thought, all right, Amy, unfriend me, huh? I'll get you. You don't want your face up there? How many pictures do you think I have of my sister, y'all? I got a lot. I got a lot of pictures of my sister. I got her social security number. I know her mother's maiden name. I know her address. I know her phone number, email. Got it. What if I put all those pictures in a folder titled Amy Johnson's personal information is, and then all the pictures of her? <laughs> Unfriend me, Amy. I'll eviscerate you online, right? That was my scheme. I never did it because I'm a pastor and we're not allowed to do things like that. But <laughs> It surprises me not at all that the first argument and that leads to the first murder happened between siblings, that the first not-so-precious moment is between these brothers. Now, these brothers, you know, they, they had some stuff that might have made them hostile to each other, you know, just some setup that might have caused the tension. Um, Cain was the firstborn. What did that mean in the ancient Near East? Inheritance, the heir. So he was the one set to inherit. He was the one with the power, Cain was. He also had a much better name. His name meant to get or to acquire. Do you know what Abel's name meant? It's like his parents ran out of creativity. His name means nothingness or vapor. Seriously, like you have a baby and you're like, yeah, let's just call it nothing. You know what I mean? That's, that's a recipe for disaster right there. And so, so they had these things. And then, do you know, what did Cain do? Was he the farmer or the rancher? He was the farmer and his father was a farmer. Okay? Abel was what? The rancher. Y'all notice that there's still, I used to live out in San Angelo. There are still tension between farmers and ranchers you don't even want to get into. So the farmers and the ranchers. So this sets up the tension. And another thing that does not surprise me at all, as a pastor, that the first murder takes place after a disagreement over worship style. Yeah. Y'all don't seem so bad about that, but I'm sure just give you a little bit of time if we have to replace the carpet in here. The knives will come out and you'll, you know, ah, it has to be red or whatever. I've seen churches go at it over a lot less. So it was worship that eventually brought this to a head. What happens is they, they are going to worship God, Abel and Cain, and they bring God an offering. And God accepts Abel's offering, but he doesn't accept Cain's. 
And this is where, as I read commentaries on this, people start to disagree. Like, why did that happen? Everybody wants to know, why didn't God like Abel or Cain's? Why did he like Abel's? So there's a couple of theories. The first one is that they were the same. The offerings were equally good because in the Bible, even though we're just in the fourth chapter, eventually we'll get to the law about the offerings. And you can bring either, right? You can bring firstborn of your flocks. You can bring first fruits of your crops. We've talked about it. So those things are equal. So it must be that God just chose. Just arbitrarily said, Abel, yes, Cain, no. And then so those commentators would say it's an arbitrary thing. It's meant to be a test of Cain and what he'll do. If you find that satisfying, just stop right now. Stop listening. Read your Bible or something. Um, the The second theory is that it's the offering. Because we see here, if you look at verse 3, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So some people would say, um, especially as you read that in contrast with verse 4, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. See how descriptive that is? So people would say, well, Abel's gift is so well described, it, it denotes their intention. Like that Abel intentionally brought a better, more sacrificial gift, whereas Cain just brought some of his crops. So these two theories and these commentators would either say that the fault is either with God or it's with the offering. It was in one of those places. I'd like us to read a little bit further because I think there's a third answer here too. Look at what the Bible says in, in, chap- in verse 4. The Lord accepted, and then what comes first, the gift or the man? You can actually have to look. I'm not going to give it to you. The man, yeah. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept, was it the man or the gift when it came to Cain? Cain and his gift. So what I would, what I would encourage us to see is that because the name comes first, because God accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift, there was something in Cain that was present, preventing him from worshiping God something in his life that he was coming like everything was okay and going to offer an offering to God. And God said, no, your life isn't right yet. You can't come and just pretend that it's okay because it's not okay. Look at what he tells him in verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right. So there had to be something. Remember how we talk about God doesn't see our appearance like everybody else. The masks fall off when we're with God. And he sees our heart. And in that worship moment, he's telling Cain, this, your life is not right. Make your life right. And our relationship will be restored. You will be accepted. Now, the first thing that we can learn, well, maybe we'll put this as the first thing we can learn from the story, is that when we come to worship, God really sees stuff other people don't see. And he may ask us to get right. The second thing that I take from this is who God points the finger at. Now, remember, Cain came from a family of finger pointers, right? Right? They were pretty bad at it. You know, God says when they eat the forbidden fruit, God's like, who is to blame? And they're all like, not me. It was definitely somebody else. It was my wife. It was my husband. It was that snake. I mean, they can blame everybody. So Cain comes from a household of finger-pointing blamers. And God says, who is the problem to Cain? God's not the problem. The brother's not the problem. Cain is the problem. So if Cain wants to get right with God, he doesn't have a problem with his brother. He has a problem with himself, 
with his own heart. Now, y'all, lots of times we will encounter trouble that is somebody else's making, and we just have to do our best with integrity to live through it. But if, as you look at your own life, every time you encounter opposition or failure or disappointment, you're pointing the finger away from yourself, you need to open your eyes and look back and say, how can I have been part of this? What have I done that, con- that has contributed to this? Um, a good example would be, who here is always right when they argue with their spouse? Right? I mean, you are always right. Yeah, right. So we, I'm, I'm going to step on y'all's toes a little bit and say, mm, might want to look a little deeper if you are always right. Okay? I see the elbows going. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, y'all, your elbows are moving? Okay. Um, the next thing that we can learn from this is that Cain actually could have gone, well, which way did he go? So Cain, God says the problem is with you, and what does he do? He murders his brother. He blamed his brother because his brother was accepted. And I'm sure he was thinking, well, there's only the two of us on earth, right? So if I get rid of nothingness, then I'm going to look a lot better, right? And so he refused to see that it's inside his own heart that he needed to deal with, and he blamed somebody else, thinking, if I just get rid of them or if I just do this, then he'll be gone. So that was the first thing, look inside your heart. The second thing is that even though Cain is a child of sinners and liars and people who have tried to be God, God says to him that he can overcome this, that he can make it right. It's going to take work, but he can do it. Um, Look at this. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And Walter Brueggemann, who's a commentator, um, goes back to John Steinbeck on this, who is a novelist. I find this funny. Um, but have you all read East of Eden? Did you have to read it like in school or something? You read East of Eden? It's um, a novelist's take on a family that's living out these verses. And the whole story turns around one word in Hebrew, the Hebrew word tenshel in this scripture. And the father, Adam, is trying to figure out, because he sees in this novel, in different translations, some say, sin is crouching at the door, you will overcome it. Some say, sin is crouching at the, over, at the door, and you should. Kind of like, maybe you will, you might overcome it. And he's trying to figure out, what is that meaning of the Hebrew word tenshel? What does that mean? And in this novel, at the very end, he finds out it means thou mayest, which we might say, you can. You can. Not it's mandated that you will, not boy, you should give it a good try, but you can do it. It is within your power. And as, that, as this patriarch is dying in this novel, he gathers his breath to say to his son, the one, Caleb, who has, has the C name like Cain, Tenshel, you can. That's my bless. That's a blessing he gives his son is that he can do it. 